0: Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I am your coach and host, Tyler Johnson. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode, you may have recently seen on the Netflix special, Quarterback. He is a psychologist, has extensive experience providing behavioral health assessment and therapy services to children and adults in clinical, residential, and professional sports settings. Throughout his career, he has been particularly interested in delivering person-centered care, tailoring his services to clients' preferences, values, and unique needs. His practice of psychology is guided by principles of resilience and well-being, which we'll talk about, using individual strengths, adaptive capacities, and sources of joy and purpose to facilitate positive change. Please welcome to the Elevate podcast, Dr. Brown L. Mack, doing today dr mac doing well tyler thank you well excited to have you uh nice to be here. love to kind of help get our audience acquainted with you a little bit and just uh give us a little bit of your background and kind of the the short story of, of kind of what led you to the work you do and, and the things you do on uh you know people might have seen on, on the netflix uh qb uh series uh, that you're working with the vikings and, and just what led you to the amazing work that you do
1: yeah, I would say that the short version of the long story is the cliche, right, that your profession sometimes chooses you more than you choose your profession. So uh, I probably ended up in the mental health field based on my experiences in my family. So uh, my mother is a devout Catholic, and she would often say that to those who much is given, much is expected. And I, I think that we didn't exactly uh, grow up in the lap of luxury but she was referring to those uh critical things that we can give to each other that don't have any costs. So being able to uh, have patience and uh, understanding for people and uh, giving uh, everybody the best chance to realize their full potential in life. So I think that was the, the foundation for me in many ways. And, you know, I, I grew up in the heart of South Minneapolis. So it's very much an urban existence and, you know, gangs, violence, alcohol, substance abuse were all uh, part of the, environment, but I had a lot of protection around me, beginning with my parents and, uh, extended family at home, but a lot of, you know, mentors, coaches, when I was involved in, in sports and teachers, who saw some potential in me that I hadn't even seen in myself, who encouraged me through uh, education to kind of uh, open up a, a world of possibility. And so I, I think uh, that goes to the heart of my uh, passion about making a difference for people uh, professionally too.
0: I love uh, you sharing that story. I, I like what at the end there, you talked about the the people that kind of saw your potential. Um, and I think a lot of times my experience around the student athlete environment is sometimes coaches are so overconcerned with, you know, coaching skills or scheme or schematics um, when really a lot of kids and athletes need someone to believe in their potential and to affirm that. Can, can you talk about just how critical and important that can be and just I guess everyone's lives, but especially young athletes.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I would say, too, that it's amazing how much that dynamic plays out at the uh, elite level and professional sports where uh, everybody is supremely talented. But the performance is only as good as the the person. And so when we have uh, athletes with the Vikings and really uh, across the NFL, who are struggling, uh, with something uh, socially or emotionally, it's bound to show up in the performance, uh, On the field. And so we try to get upstream uh, with those challenges as much as possible. So uh, I'm involved in teaching classes to our our rookies on decision making and stress management and and healthy relationships. So uh, they really have a a sense of the resources that are available to guide them through some uh, really complicated life matters. Uh, So, you know, 21 year old young men often who are uh, trying to to find their way and they've got money in their pockets and people are aware of it. So they they have the pull of of family and friends constantly and then trying to make their way in a hyper competitive profession. uh, They're just a under an enormous uh, amount of of stress and we try to uh, give them the the tools that they need to to uh, manage it effectively and I think we see hopefully the same thing at the the youth level where I think more and more coaches are becoming aware of the significance of, of mental health and knowing that if the, the kids that they're coaching aren't socially and emotionally well, it's going to be hard for them to excel in sports. So it's not really an either or, it's a, yeah. it's a both and scenario that we want to make sure that we're giving them everything they can to uh, succeed as, as athletes, but to know that, um, that they've got to be squared away when it comes to uh, their coping and, and problem solving skills in order to be their best as athletes
0: I love it um you know and looking into your your work two of the things that jumped out to me was you know that you you guide your kind of work on the principles of resilience and well-being and I think often sometimes uh, we observe people sacrifice some well-being in the name of resilience or pursuit of something but can you talk about how you kind of define those two things and, and create a, a healthy balance
1: yeah. To, to me, a lot of it comes down to finding what I refer to as this intersection between uh, important to and important for. So I think in in my work, uh, there are uh, many people who are clear about what's important for them to do. So if they've been diagnosed with depression, they know that probably means uh, therapy and maybe medication. But they have to find some, some reasons, uh, a purpose behind Doing all of that uh, tough work that's involved in managing depression, and so that's kind of being clear about the why or the the important too. So um, I'll take my medication. I'll see the therapist because it's important to me uh, to be able to be the the best parent I can be, or to be the best uh, football player uh, that I can be. So to me, that kind of goes to the heart of uh, of well being and resilience. Um, I think is something that is characteristic of all human beings uh, no no matter how much you, you might be struggling or uh, how much difficulty or adversity is piled up on you, you have found a way to, to get through it. Um, so what's happening when there's uh, mental illness is just that the the resources have gotten um, out of balance with the demands, so mm-hmm. that people are, are facing some circumstances that are often uh, beyond their control, that are uh, overwhelming the, their coping system, but there are uh, plenty of stories, if you can mine for them, that show how they have been been uh, adaptive uh, in the past, uh, how they've been able to kind of summon their resolve to, to get through things that they didn't think they'd ever be able to, to overcome. And so a, a lot of my work is predicated on trying to uh, build out th- those narratives for people. And then when we find that there are certain um, obstacles that they need to uh, strengthen uh, problem solving and coping skills, the good news there is that we can help them do that uh, through practice. Uh, anything you practice, you get better at doing. And, and I think that philosophy is very accessible to, to athletes who can realize that there were a lot of things that were hard for them uh, when they started out in their sport that became easy, that kind of went on autopilot later. Same thing applies to uh, life skills and, yeah. and coping skills, the kind of things that I teach
0: into the kind of the coping skills and some of the the teaching and like you said you know with practice we can improve um are there ways you know I imagine a lot of times your teaching is is you know in a classroom or office setting or, or do you translate it to the field or is there ways that you see at the highest level that they're creating space you know for you know just the the mental management that i imagine is required for the routine and you know demands of the NFL
1: yeah, I really feel fortunate because the team clinician role, the position that I hold with the, the Vikings, there are now you know, 32 of us. So it's a, a mandated position. All the clubs have to have a mental health provider who is accessible and visible uh, throughout the, the season and in the offseason, too, where the, the work kind of pivots more toward helping um, couples and, and families often. But it, it's a very fluid position. So there are times when I'm working one to one with players and coaches and it feels like a typical clinical setting, much of what I would do in my private practice where you know someone comes in, there's a diagnosis, there's a plan and, and we, we follow it. But a lot of the the work with the team is, is spontaneous, and um, I think of it as kind of leading by walking around. So when you're embedded the way that we are as team clinicians, we have a lot of contact points with players. So sometimes yeah. it's having meals in the in the cafeteria, or it's uh, being available on the sideline at, at practice, um, and sometimes that will spark. Uh, conversations that help us to find what we call you know what's important now the the win so you you, you develop a relationship with a a player and you you find out that there is something stressful happening at home uh, something that might be on on the edge of developing into a a domestic matter Um, and then if we know about that early then we might Pull a player in to have a, a private conversation about um, what seems to to be uh, getting in the way in that relationship, and where are the opportunities to try to to mend that relationship so that it doesn't turn into something that could be uh, destructive or something that can begin to you know interfere with performance and in, in life in, in general. Um, and then you know I would say too because we are focused on prevention and, and education when we have the the classes on healthy relationships, for example, the players begin to see you as the clinician as, as someone who can be a bit of a, a sounding board or uh, available as a, as a resource. So they'll initiate uh, some of the conversations about what's important to them now. You don't have to seek them out as much. And, you know, that can turn into some really uh, unique exchanges. I know when I, I first started, I didn't know all the, the rules and the, the ins and outs the NFL, so I was on the practice field and I had begun uh, developing a relationship with a, a player and he kind of came over to me on the sideline and he was talking about uh, uh, something that he was going through with his his mother that had been uh, on his mind. We'd been talking about that privately, but he wanted apparently to talk some more about it right there on the sideline. He sort of put his arm around me and I, I'm listening and kind of nodding and, and taking it all in. And I ended up going on to the actual practice field while we were getting into this conversation conversation for just a brief amount of time and found out later that that's, you know, really taboo. The coaches will frown upon anybody besides a player or a coach kind of stepping into to that space. So it's one of those things yeah. that you learn about. But at the same time, I I, I felt fortunate that uh, the player placed that kind of confidence uh, in me. So it's one of those things where you mm-hmm. feel like you might have to ask for forgiveness later, because I think that the, the greater good was trying to maintain that connection uh, in, in the moment to be, be responsive to what the player needed.
0: Yeah. Connection. And, and you mentioned trust uh, a little bit ago too, is, is so important. Um, you know, just for all coaches, is they they do their job in creating that in the environments. But uh, even I think, you know, in the mental performance space, and when it comes to psychology, how do you find ways um, to, you know, a lot of coaches that listen to this, maybe high school or college coaches that are limited by NCAA hours or, or really short cyclical seasons in the high school environment. Uh, what what are ways that they can help, you know, create trust uh, amongst their team and, and with their coaches? Uh, to hopefully get the best uh, from their, their personnel.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think it comes down to relationship always. And uh, I think uh, people respond to coaches or programs, organizations that respond to them. And so I, I, I really make a point of trying to uh, meet players uh, where they're at and uh, sometimes they will uh, identify performance as the overarching goal, that they want to be able to play Division I football or uh, make sure they're in position to have a pro career. And so, I, yeah, I think it's helpful to to go with their um, ideas and in their ambitions and, and try to put them in the best position possible to um realize the the aspirations that they have for themselves. So, so much of it comes down to being able to, I think, empathize and, and join with people. And when um, you show up that way, uh, I think you quickly realize that, you know, independent of whatever mental skills you're teaching or whatever um, uh, intervention that you're applying, the person you're, you're helping is going to change to the extent that they see you as someone who is trustworthy and incredible and, and, and caring. So um, you're the medicine in, in these situations. So I, I think being able to um, – realize that you can have that sort of uh, influence. And if you can be clear about, you know, what is this person's, what are his uh, conditions of satisfaction and what can I do to, to best meet them? I think that's how you start to build up equity with people by giving them the the gifts uh, that they need to become who they want to be, who they're striving to become.
0: I love that. Give them the gifts. Uh, I think the, uh, y- you do that by you know conversation and uncovering them. How do you how do you go about helping them receive those gifts?
1: Yeah, I, I think so much of it is maintaining a, a presence. So uh, what's the expression that when the the student is ready, the the teacher will appear? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think when uh, at least you know in my NFL life. Um, you have to plant some seeds, I suppose. And, and you can be aware that uh, there is a, a player who's kind of hanging on the edge uh, emotionally. And he may have given you some bits and pieces, some little windows into what's really going on. Um, but then you often, if you have taken the time to get to know him and to uh, help him appreciate that you're constantly there, um, he'll walk into that doorway at some point literally or figuratively and if you're prepared to to listen carefully and to offer him some uh, valuable guidance and, and give him the resources that that he needs to to manage whatever challenge might be in, in front of him uh, that's the way I think that you you deepen relationship and you, and you foster trust it's, it, it's being there and and responding to the needs in the moment yeah
0: I love that. Uh, one of the things uh, as I hear you speak too, as you to talk about the relationships and building trust and um, you know, there is that uh, element of, of assessment. And I think often uh, youth in high school college athletes come around when you ask them, Hey, who's your toughest critic? They all raise their hands. And then you ask, Hey, who wants to do an assessment? You don't get as many hands. Right um and so it's always kind of this you know well if you're your toughest critic shouldn't you be your most fair evaluator um can you talk about i I know you use assessment probably a a variety of ways but why you know getting a variety of assessment can help us create the action plans that are going to help us you know reach the goals or, or the destinations we want to
1: yeah yeah I think it's helpful Tyler to frame assessment on in a very similar way that you might uh, discuss uh, intervention or, or therapy in the, in the clinical setting. so trying to um, demystify what assessment is about, that uh, it's collecting uh, information. So trying to help the person, okay, what am I getting into with assessment, answering that question? And then the second question I think is, what do I have to to gain from it? So Mm -hmm. in the, the mental skills space, Uh, One way that I begin to uh, approach the the possibility of an assessment or working with me to kind of hone those skills is to simply ask players, you know, how, how much of your game do you think is, quote unquote, mental? Uh, how much of your success depends on having, you know, sharp mental skills. And there's really no wrong answer there. I mean, you'll hear estimates, well, at least 50%, some will say 80%, some say 99% of my game, it, it really comes down to how well I'm, I'm functioning mentally, because the the perception is the reality. And so if you believe, that uh, being able to concentrate and being able to maintain your your confidence and uh, being able to stay focused in in the moment means that much to your performance Uh, it will have that kind of relevance and then from there um, you kind of get that initial buy-in and that's where you can offer some of the the concrete um, skills and, and strategies that might be helpful. So again, it's kind of appealing to the player's self-interest. If you are indeed in, in invested um, in uh of accelerating your performance what are some of the things that you can do and so that might talk about you know have you ever uh, done any breath work Um, do you know the the science behind that that if you can slow your your breathing that it uh, decreases your your blood pressure and your heart rate and gets the oxygen level up in your brain which allows you to to focus and to be more clear and to to quiet your mind in ways that will allow you to excel uh, on the field. So that's how I would kind of couch uh, assessment with people that uh, it's a tool. It's a way yeah. that we can gather information to get a sense of where you're at. And then from there, we kind of build a roadmap or, or plot a course to where you can be um, and how to get there. And so that's when the the skills and strategies, uh, I think, come online.
0: Yeah, I like the way you frame it because I think it's easier to look at assessment. The there's Oh, there's a bunch of information. There's some I knew. There's some I didn't know. Um, and then gonna give you, um, yeah, the better way to to kind of look at it for sure. Um, is there a, a a moment or a lesson through your work that you've kind of observed? Either maybe it's a mental skill or a lesson uh, in action uh, that you know just brought you fulfillment or joy. Where you saw you know something, you know whether it was talked uh, a tactic or, or something you taught to the team um, you know, that you saw an action that just kind of brought fulfillment and, uh,
1: yeah, you know, and, and I think some of that is probably captured in the uh, NFL quarterbacks documentary and, you know, just a little bit of the, the backdrop there. That was something that was completely initiated by, uh, Kirk Cousins. He came in uh, one day and the, uh, the, the camera crew was already with him. And okay. he said, you know, doc, I've been, I'm committed to doing this uh, series here with with Netflix, and I want to be as transparent as possible. And I think it would be valuable if uh, we could uh, show some of the the work that we're doing together, and you know, kind of pause a little bit and say, well, let's uh, talk this through because this is. Pretty unprecedented that uh, yeah. uh, this kind of access would be allowed to what would you know normally be considered strictly private conversations. And so we we figured out the the boundaries of it. We had assurance from the the production crew that we'd be able to uh, view everything in, in advance before they decided to include it in the the actual film. But I, I think what comes through there, and you know, knowing the what led up to it, that, um, you know, there's some TV magic. I I think that you, you see where it looks like, uh, Kirk had, uh, been uh, working on these skills for a long time which he, he really has um, yeah. but the relationship that uh, allowed uh, us to kind of work well together um, took some time to to form so this, you know my, my fifth year with the the team um, and know I've known Kirk throughout that that period um, but we started out talking about kind of common interests uh, you know things that are happening with our kids uh, we're both tennis players too so I remember nice, nice. You know, there was one story, Yeah, I'd get pulled into the quarterback room just, again, walking around the building sometime, and Kirk would ask me some things about tennis and share what, what he knew as well, and he, he brought up something that he had talked to, I think it was Drew Brees about, and he said, you know, Doc, uh, Breeze said that one of the unique things about tennis is it's the only sport that involves a, a throwing motion where the object doesn't leave your hand.
0: And mm. I said, well, okay.
1: That is interesting. Never really thought about it that way, but it's like these little moments that kind of build up and and foster um, closeness and and trust. And I, and I think that some of that ultimately does uh, come out in in the film. That the uh, the true intervention there. Uh, sure, we're talking about uh, visualization um, in, in ways to enhance focus and staying in the moment, being able to to let go of the past and not become you know preoccupied with things that can happen in in the future. Um, um, but the the basis for for all of that is a, a connection that says that what um, we get from each other is, is valuable and something that we we cherish and and want to not only uh, maintain but to allow others to to see um, how this can really be replicated. Yeah,
0: you know? I think it was. Uh, I mean, I was probably one of my favorite parts of the series being being biased towards mental performance. And you know, as listening to here, how it kind of came about uh grateful that you know kurt would include that because i think so often we think that you know there's the narrative that something's got to be wrong right something's got to be wrong with you uh, if you go see the sports psychologist or, or there's problems um we're trying to create uh an atmosphere and demystify some of those things where you don't have to be sick to get better um you could see it's part of his pursuit to continually improve um and i, I think just watching the series you know what a likable guy. I don't know how they maybe maybe you've, you've seen behind the, the curtains, but uh, I, I only became more of a fan of the guy uh, watching that series uh, as, a, as a whole human being. I think, too, is is where it started as we see that person. Um, and so kudos to him for, you know, allowing that to happen. And um, I think it's going to help a lot of people uh, and a lot of young kids as they see that over the next few years, too. So yeah. Um,
1: and I think we've already seen that from the response to the, the film. I, I, I can't count the, the number of people, and Kirk has said the, the same thing, who saw the the mental skills segments in, in particular as validation of utilizing mental health services in, in general. So I, I think that those kind of portrayals do go a long way toward uh, destigmatizing uh, mental health care and. Uh, especially, I think he can make an imprint for for young people. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's a very uh, courageous move on on Kirk's part that has paid a lot of dividends now, and I think will uh, continue to make a difference into the future. How it humanized uh, a great athlete and you know so much Mm -hmm. of what we know or see about the players is with their their helmets on and they are kind of pieces sometimes in fantasy football leagues and Mm -hmm. uh, this gave I I think insight into what it's really like to um, go through life as a professional athlete so you have a great disappointment and losing a, a playoff game, but then that's got to end and you've got to show up as a, a dad and, and husband and tuck kids in at night, or you have to yep. go simple a, a crib after you've had a, you know, a, a great victory. That's the, you know, real stuff where, yep. you know, i get mostly involved in that you know i find so exciting there's all the you know the glitz and the glamour of game day no substitute for that and you know there's a, a lot of cachet that goes along with being uh, a part of the the nfl but the the, the human dimensions are, are are really the the difference maker uh, so often in and how well an individual or you know for that matter a team performs
0: yeah being a dad, I, I assembling a crib can be a stressful. Uh, a good, a, a good place to measure our, our and use our mental skills tools. It's the best. Uh, you know, right? sometimes <laughs> re- reading a coverage simpler, putting a IKEA, Ikea something together. Holy cow! Uh, That's right. Well, uh, you know, also seeing the, you know some of the the work you've been doing and doing a little research. Uh, I'd love to hear you you talk about um, some of the DEI work you've done with the Vikings. I think and just you know. How do, you know, bringing up some practicality, how do coaches and leaders on teams, uh, you know, ensure that the environments that they have are are inclusive uh, and equitable and where people all have a voice? uh, How can we ensure our teams are developing and moving in that direction?
1: Yeah, I I think it is uh, critical work that has been uh, warmly embraced by our organization. So um, our ownership has made a sizable uh, financial commitment to social justice initiatives in our community well before uh, we had the, the George Floyd uh, tragedy, right? But I, I think the social justice work started to take on even more uh, relevance uh, after uh, that that tragedy. And so many of our, our players really uh, dug in and found ways to try to empower uh, people who maybe have the least, right? And in those who are most... Uh, Profoundly affected by uh, racial inequalities and, and injustice. So I, I think it's just part of the, the lifeblood in our organization. So I mean, I walked into that. And then I think we had a really active and important conversation almost from day one about what it means to Um, connect with uh, athletes of color. So, you know, more than 70% of the players across the league are are black and brown. So mental health means something different to them than it would for uh, people who have more uh, middle-class white backgrounds. And so we talked about um, how do we best um, tailor our support services to players who um, may have uh, stigma. That is a barrier for them. And so, you know, I've seen some research recently, Tyler, that shows that uh, over 80% of uh, Black men in our country. Uh, see uh, mental health services as something that is uh, shameful to to access or could be used uh, against you. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if the the league has similar kind of survey data, but I I can tell you anecdotally, uh, that's something that I've had to try to um, navigate in in my role, that um, I I think we have a a warrior mentality uh, across the league. And, so much of success in sports as you know often does come down to grit and determination but to a limit right because you can try to force your way through situations and use the example of a physical injury um you, you push too hard you can end up getting more uh, injured and then uh, something permanently can happen that will be debilitating really no different on the uh, emotional side of things Mm -hmm. here too. So a lot of the message to the guys, um, especially our our black and brown players is that um, vulnerability and, and showing it is really the ultimate sign of, of strength. And so we're, we're trying to, you know, reframe what it means to, need attention to your uh, emotional life and then to to be available to them to you know connect with someone who looks like them and has lived like them in many ways I I think that becomes a a really uh, compelling part of what uh, I have or what we have to to offer as an organization so we're talking to players about things that we have experienced so um as a, as a black professional, as a black man, I, I know some things on an intimate level of uh, what it's like to yeah. feel um, mistreated or, or or misjudged. And even though I'm not maybe talking about that experience in explicit ways with, with players, I think some of that comes through and it, it leads to an identification and it helps to to foster the kind of trust that's required to really be helpful to them to um, get through some of the. The barriers they see in accessing mental health care and giving it their their best shot and being able to appreciate that oh, you know this does this does help which keeps them going and keeps the yeah. service you know,
0: sustainable i think uh people that listen to this podcast knows probably knows i've talked about my history but i think you know when i was uh give you a quick window you played college football uh very masculine kind of I guess, ideology that I kind of brought up in and, you know, had a great career, end up working in professional sports, but I was working in the front office of the white Sox, and remember feeling kind of depressed and anxious and not myself. And the HR lady, was like, would you want to go see a therapist? And I remember my response being, I'm a football player. I don't talk about my feelings. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was glad that was the last time that really left my mouth uh, except and except for in recounting it, uh, in this instance. But I remember that was just the initial response. Um, the therapy that ensued for the next few months was transformational, um, and amazing. But, um, I see a lot of, you know, environments where, you know, we are kind of, we don't talk about that. We compartmentalize that we do that, um where it's been refreshing to be around more coaches, more teams, seeing and hearing the things even at the highest level that's going on um, to realize that I think a lot of our peers and our locker rooms are going through some of the same things and challenges um, and that it is okay to talk about it. And like you said, that vulnerability piece, can you expand on just how important creating space and safe spaces to be vulnerable can be in building men the right way so you don't have to rebuild broken men?
1: Yeah, no, great, great point. And I I, I think so much of it is simply uh, giving players the permission to talk about their emotional lives um, to a man in, in our locker room. These are exceptionally uh, bright and resourceful and, and resilient people. And they can do an incredible job of masking vulnerability. And I don't think we can escape the fact that um, almost faking it till you make it in sports. So, you don't in a competitive uh, arena want to uh, signal. That you're starting to to waver in, in any way, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that gets deeply ingrained and can carry over to your, your personal life. But uh, in your personal life, that um, approach has some some limits because you're not able to then get in touch with the the things that are uh, affecting you, um, the and the people who want to be close to you and and be supportive when you need it. Um, they're kind of left at a loss if you're not being transparent about what's going on uh, inside. So I think just being able to pull players in uh, into a private setting and a judgment free zone to have kind of a a free-flowing conversation about, you know, what's going on uh, emotionally? What are some of the things that you're finding uh, stressful and and difficult? And I think simply uh, asking that question sometimes uh, uh, just opens up a a whole uh, well uh, of concerns that have gone unspoken probably for way too long. And once they they get started and they realize how good it feels to kind of set down uh, that burden with with me, um, pretty quickly, they're doing the same thing with uh, the people in their lives at, at home and, and their teammates and, and their coaches. We just see a real uh, ripple effect uh, yeah. that way. The, the floodgates just kind of kind of open uh, once you are, are told that um, it's not only okay, but it's necessary to For talk sure. about what's happening inside. <laughs>
0: i think definitely my own experience the first time i talked about it was the scariest time right um for sure and then it became easier to uh to discuss and, and help and, and reflect upon um as we wrap up one more question i'd love to ask and always love to hear uh in the work in your life and what you do uh what brings you the most joy dr mack what brings you joy
1: Yeah, for me, it is being able to see people uh, reach their highest potential. So a lot of my work is uh, front loaded in the sense that rookies come in. uh, We try to build connection with them and and teach them some of the skills they need to uh, excel uh, both on and, and off the field. And some of those players are very, you know, wide-eyed when they when they join us. And uh, they don't really know what they're getting themselves into. You know they're talented. They, they wouldn't be here if they weren't. But then, you know, almost year after year, uh, when they're with us, you see the, the development. And for so many of them, uh, you, you watch them kind of grow up before your eyes. And, and so that, that young guy who came in on, on day one and was really, you know, completely scared and uh, unsure of himself, kind of becomes this confident uh, all-pro player in, in a few years. And to see that kind of transformation uh, – is really uh, uplifting, I think, and, and part of what what keeps me going. But it's also the the small kind of uh, incremental progress that you you can see as well. It doesn't maybe show up uh, on the field, but you, you know how hard uh, someone is working to um, become a better version uh, of themselves. And maybe if they. Never become an all pro player. Um, they had the satisfaction that you know I, I really gave everything I had, um, to this pursuit, and I, I can take a lot of pride in that. So, you know, really, you never regret that you, you failed in the end, the regret comes that you didn't try, you know, and and so. Um, That's something that I I really try to underline with guys that um, if you've poured everything you can into becoming who you wanted to be, that's the victory.